Hey guys, thanks for joining us online. My name is Pastor Dave. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Glad you could join us. Like most of you, uh, this time in summer is usually when you take a vacation, but many of us had to think of other things because of the present circumstances. So we had recently a week-long vacation, but it was a staycation. A staycation, meaning that we stayed home and we just enjoyed a vacation, a time off, uh, just doing some fun stuff. So we thought we'd relax. We live in Medford Lakes, go to the lake, maybe go down to the beach a few times. Well, it was not quite as we thought it would be because it was the week when that tropical storm blew through and we lost power for two days. Lost power for two days. And as soon as the power goes out, I will never forget my daughter saying, she says, of course it would. It's 2020. You know, so of course it would, right? Because 2020 has not been that great, if we're honest with ourselves. A lot of us, 2020 has felt like a disappointment. And a lot of ways, that's an understatement. For many of us, it has felt like a grave. We have felt really horrible things in this time. And some of us just feel restless with it all. It feels like a grave. But I don't want to just point to some thing in 2020 that will give you hope. I want to point you to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, which is talking about Jesus's physical bodily resurrection, which all followers of Jesus believe and place our hope in. And so I'm going to be preaching from John chapter 20. You could turn your Bibles there. I'll also be preaching on John chapter 21 next week. And so this is kind of like a mini series, a two-part series called Graves into Gardens. Now, why did I title it that? Graves into Gardens. Well, It is an awesome worship song that you just heard and that you have meditated on, hopefully the lyrics of those of that song. It's an awesome song, but it also reminds me of a book and something that an author said about eight years ago, I was reading it, something that an author said when he was talking about graveyards, he looks at graveyards as gardens, graveyards as gardens. And I thought that was interesting. I was thinking, okay, why why does he say that? And he'd go on to explain that they are graves waiting to be resurrected. People waiting to be resurrected based on the resurrection of Jesus. They're like seeds in a garden. Those who follow Jesus, who've put their trust in Jesus, they're like seeds in a garden that will one day bloom. I thought that was a beautiful thing. But what's even more interesting of how artistic he had presented that is the fact that John, the writer of this gospel, weaves the theme of a garden all throughout the book, all throughout the book in connection to the grave, Jesus's grave and his resurrection. And it should, as you read that, it should give you hope when you read the resurrection and you see this word and this theme of the garden, it should give you unbelievable, beyond your imagination, hope that is found in Jesus, not just for the future, but also for the here and now, especially when life feels like a grave. And you and I are in a season that feels like a grave with this pandemic that we are facing. You know, parents, you are lying awake, wondering, and your minds are racing on thoughts of how to balance work with your newfound role as homeschoolers and and this uh, schedule where some of your kids are going to school for part of the time of the week and some at home. Frontline health workers, your bone tired, your your nerves are frayed by just the endless shifts and constant encounters with the virus and some of the victims, especially where it is really a hot spot. Senior citizens, you've grown weary of just being in isolation for all this time. And unemployment, 
unemployed workers right now, fretting over jobs lost, your benefits running out, rent not being able to be paid, mortgage not being able to be paid. It's horrible. And sadly, even the most sad thing is that minority communities are continuing to shoulder the, just the disproportionate burden of the virus's impact. And even in recent weeks, just killing people about a thousand a day. Hopefully that number drops. But even when you look at your home, for some of us, our home life is going great. We have a good marriage. We have a great family. Things are going well. Even if you do, there's still probably some stressors. But think about for the home that is not going so well. For some of you have have a bad marriage. It's been rocky before this pandemic took place and now you're at home and it's hard. And what's even worse is the fact that child abuse is down. And that's not a good thing. It's because it means it's not being reported because children aren't in schools where it can be reported. This season has certainly felt like a grave. In some ways, very deep of a grave for some. So what's the solution? Do we just dismiss when life feels like a grave? Because some of you are not just feeling this right now, life as a grave because of the pandemic, but of other things that may be happening, other trials that you may be happening, having. So what do we do? Just dismiss it, ignore it, hope that it goes away. Maybe like some are taking a stance on the virus and blaming it, this is a whole conspiracy. No, that's not what we do. So what do we do? Try to fix it, control it, come up with a solution. It's good to work at things. But in many times, our desire to control or fix is because of fear that we have, that we're not in control. This is a struggle for many of us as guys. So what's the solution? Even with this pandemic, a vaccine? Sure, that will help. That'll be great. But guys, another thing will come along that will feel like a grave. Just look at all of history. All of history is moments where there has been a season and a life that felt like a grave. This is nothing new. What we are facing may be unique, but it's not new in the sense that trials have come. Seasons that have felt like a grave. So what do we do? How do you and I dig out of what feels like a grave? How do we dig out when it feels like a grave? Well, you can't. You can't dig yourself out. That's the truth. And I'm not saying that to disappoint you, but to direct you to the solution. And that is Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, the solution is turning to Jesus as the one to dig you out of that grave. Jesus is the one. Because in John 15, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says that. To you and I as followers of Christ, he's saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing to dig yourself out of this grave right now. You need me. You need me. You need the power and the presence of my work, Jesus is saying. You need me to be the one who can turn your grave into a garden, to turn your brokenness that you're facing into beauty. You need me to be the one to heal and to save. And that's my whole point and what I want to encourage you to do today is to turn to Jesus as healer, as savior, the one who can turn your grave into a garden. Because guys, this is so important for us to experience as followers of Jesus. If we're not turning to Jesus to take our grave and turn that into a garden, how are we going to lead others? You see, God has given us a mission as the church, followers of Jesus. You're sitting there listening to this 
You are part of the church if you follow Jesus. And there's a mission that has not stopped just because of this pandemic. There's a mission that he's given to each of us to take the good news of the gospel, to take the message of Jesus as savior, as healer, that he's the one that could turn graves into gardens and we're to help people turn their graves into gardens as we turn them to Jesus. That's for every believer of Jesus. That's our mission. But how can we help others do that if we're not turning to Jesus ourselves and allowing him to turn our grave into a garden? That's why it's so important to turn to Jesus as the one who could turn your grave into a garden. Now again, why do I say a garden? Why do I say that? I mentioned earlier that John uses this word garden over and over. Now, why should that bring unimaginable hope to you and I? Why? In connection to the resurrection. Well, John uses it all throughout his book of this gospel. But let me point out a few places where he does in chapter 19 and then going into 20. Chapter 19, verse 41, it says, Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb. John is pointing out that the tomb was in a garden. He was crucified in a garden. Then in chapter 21, in chapter 20, Mary Magdalene, the one who was at Jesus' feet, experienced the forgiveness of Jesus, loved Jesus, loved being with Jesus. And she came to the tomb and came to the tomb and saw it was empty. The stone was rolled away. Thought someone took Jesus' body did not know what was happening. And then she went and told the disciples, Peter and John come running. Peter is, doesn't know what is going on. He's wondering. John believes because he remembers what Jesus says. But Mary is there weeping. She's crushed. She feels like this is a moment that feels like a grave for her. She's crushed. She's broken. Two angels appeared. She probably doesn't know that they're angels. And they ask her why she's weeping. And then Jesus shows up. And what does she mistake him for? Look what it says. She mistook him for the gardener. The gardener. So now why does Jesus, why does John, excuse me, why does John deliberately do that with this word garden? Why does he bring this in? Well, the biblical authors, any writer in the Bible, loves to reference back to previous stories, especially the creation story. And so what do we see in the creation story in Genesis 1? We see what? A garden. The Garden of Eden. Now, what's so special about this garden? The garden symbolized the place where heaven and earth met, meaning the presence of God and the presence of mankind together. God with us. And present in harmony, working together to take this creation project forward to its full potential. But we know that it was lost. Because mankind decided to do things on their own and not do things with God in his presence, with his presence there, or in his power, but in their own wisdom. And that was lost. And so with Jesus' physical resurrection here, connected with the garden, this theme of the garden, and the whole wider story that starts in creation, Genesis 1, What John is trying to say is that Jesus is redeeming a world that is broken to be a renewed world, a renewed heaven and earth. He is restoring things the way it is to be, the way it was to be in the Garden of Eden that was lost. And he is bringing that to restoration 
to a time when he comes back and there's a future physical resurrection and a renewed world and we will be with him together and being able to live in this world with God, taking it to its full potential and beauty. And that's the beautiful thing of the gospel. But there's another part of this gospel that is so important for the here and now. That Jesus promises his, not only the future physical resurrection for you and I, but his present resurrection power to be experienced here and now. To turn brokenness, graves into a garden, beauty. Do you catch that? I hope you understand that. It's it's big, it's huge for you and I to understand that yes, Jesus will return and there will be a physical future resurrection in a renewed world. But he allows us now to experience that present, uh, that future resurrection power now, in the here and now, and turning our graves into a garden. So how do we experience that today? How do we experience Jesus doing that, turning our graves, our brokenness into a garden, into beauty? Well, Jesus promises us this his presence, and his power to turn your grave into a garden. First, Jesus' resurrection promises the presence of God. Look in verse 17, when Jesus appears to Mary and comforts her, and he says this in verse 17, I am ascending to my father and your father. Do you catch that? Jesus is bringing us into the same relationship that he has with the Father, that same intimacy with the Father. He says, my Father is now your Father. The presence of my Father who is with me is now with you. And you are brought into that intimacy of a relationship with him. He also promises us through the resurrection in the here and now, the power of God. Look what it says in verse 22. Jesus, when he's with the disciples and he appears with the disciples in front of them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he it talks about that he breathed on them. <laughs> That's kind of weird. Jesus breathing on them. Why does John say that? Again, it's creation language. It references back to Genesis 2 when he created humanity. And it says that the breath of God, God breathed into mankind to bring mankind to life. So what is he saying here? He's saying, I'm bringing a new humanity to life through the Holy Spirit who brings us to be new creations in Christ where change is possible, where we can face life and situations even the way Jesus did. Did you ever notice how Jesus was just always calm in the midst of chaos? Like when the storm was going on, the disciples were in the boat with Jesus and the disciples are are frantic, but Jesus had a calm, a calmness in the midst of that chaos. And he wants to offer that same power to you and I in the deepest parts of our hearts to be able to face those graves and that he could turn into a garden. Jesus' resurrection promises the presence of God and the power of God. So how do you and I then position ourselves to receive this, to let Jesus turn our grave into a garden, to receive and let the presence of God and the power of God to come over us and to work through us. Well, when you look at John chapter 20, verses 24 to 31, there's the story of Jesus uh, presenting himself to doubting Thomas. Thomas, one of the disciples said, I can't believe this, that Jesus rose from the grave. He's like, if I, if I see him physically and in front of me and I could touch him, then I'll believe. So Jesus says, okay, 
And he does it. And Thomas is blown away and, and he believes Jesus is alive, resurrected. But then Jesus says something that's very fascinating and amazing. He says in verse 29, he says, blessed are those, I mean, happier are those, Thomas, are going to be than you, Thomas, who have seen me. He says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. He's saying, Thomas, there are going to be people that are so happy, more happier than you, that have not seen me, and they believe. I mean, that's such encouragement to you and I. Jesus is saying that how you position yourself to receive the presence and power of God is faith. This is what he's talking about in this passage. What is he talking about? It's faith. It's all about faith, believing. This is what the whole book of John, the gospel of John is driving at. His whole purpose of writing when it says in verse 31, these things are written. Why? So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Life, the presence and power of God, that life in you and I that comes from him. It's turning to Jesus. That's simply what faith is. If I could say what it is, that's how I would probably describe it. There's many ways to describe it, but it's simply turning to Jesus, not turning to other things in life that we think will bring a garden for us from this grave that we're experiencing. It's not even turning to ourselves our, our, and our own spiritual togetherness and our works and thinking that they somehow impress God. And then that's how we'll receive the presence and power of God. No, it's coming to Jesus broken. It's coming to Jesus saying, yes, I'm broken. I need healing from you. I can't do this. I need you, Jesus. I need your presence. I need your power. And some of you have never cried out like that to Jesus. And you've been trying to live this Christian life in your own strength. And you've been trying to turn to maybe even Jesus' words and scripture and just follow them. But you're never turning to Jesus himself and the presence and the power of God that Jesus can bring to you when you turn to him. So many of us sometimes can turn to the Bible, but we never turn to the Bible to encounter Jesus. Jesus wants you to give him access to all the parts of your heart, to come in humility and to come broken and let him turn what feels like a grave into a garden. And just to close, you know, there are many times in my life when life has felt like a grave. Many times. But let me share one story with you when I was in college and I got in trouble with the law. Uh, I was at that time a Christian, but I was struggling as a Christian. I was trying to live, uh, you know, my, I was struggling in my identity in Christ. I was trying to live one foot in the world, one foot as a Christian. And it doesn't work. And some of us on um, one day, we had the bright idea as college students to go to the seventh floor of where we were living in the dorms and to drop water balloons from the seventh floor down on people. We thought that would be funny. Sounds funny, but it wasn't because the police ended up seeing what we were doing and they came up. We had no idea they were coming. They busted us. They charged us. They arrested us. Got fined, had to appear before the court, got kicked off of on-campus housing. It was devastating to me. I mean, it was crushing. I'm thinking, God, why is something so silly like this? Water balloons. 
and for such severity for something like this to happen. But I shouldn't have been asking why. The question that eventually I needed to ask, and I did ask, was not why, God, were you allowing this to happen? It was, what, God, do you want to teach me through this, what feels like a grave? And how do you want me to go through this? What, God, do you want to teach me? And how, God, do you want me to go through this? And he was turning it into a garden, not changing my circumstances and the consequences per se, but what he was doing is he turned my grave into garden because he changed my heart. My circumstances may have not changed, but he certainly changed my heart. Turned what felt like a grave in the deepest parts of my heart into a garden because he was taking me closer to him through a severe mercy and allowing me to experience his presence and his power. And in the midst of that, there is great peace. Guys, I can't encourage you enough. As followers of Jesus, as the church, we have a mission in helping others turn their graves into the gardens. But we can't help others do that if we are not experiencing that ourselves. If we are not turning to Jesus and allowing his power and his presence to change what feels like a grave into a garden, allowing him to turn and change our heart to be closer to him and in his presence and in his power and experiencing that transformation. If we're going to reach a lost world, a broken world, we need to experience our brokenness being healed in the presence of Jesus. So guys, my encouragement to you is to experience this. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus to experience him turn what feels like a grave into a garden. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that for people that are listening right now and they know what grave they're facing right now and what feels like a broken situation, it feels helpless, or give them the strength to turn to you. Turn to you as healer. Turn to you as savior. Holy Spirit, I ask that you do this in the hearts of people. May they resolve not to try to turn a grave in their own strength and in their own power or in their own way of thinking that it needs to be solved. But Lord, may they turn first to you and ask God, not why is this happening, but God, what do you want to teach me through this? How do you want me to go through this? And Lord, for those that have never turned to you and that are listening to this and never turned to you, Jesus, I pray that they turn their heart to you, that they turn the brokenness that they acknowledge and the need of healing, the need of saving, they turn to you and they turn and give their lives to you. And maybe this may be the first time they've ever done that. And may you comfort them with your presence, your love, your power, your peace, and your forgiveness as they acknowledge and they turn to you, Jesus, as the only way for forgiveness and healing. We pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. 
I want to encourage you, if you have prayed that for the first time, if you turn to Jesus for the first time ever, I encourage you to fill out our online connection card. Someone will be happy to reach out to you, to pray with you. And now also, if you're a kid, we're glad you've been joining us and we're glad you're here. And I want you to stay tuned because we have a kids program that's coming up just for you. Thanks guys for tuning in. We love you.